0: Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves good wine first and then when people have drunk freely an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. I begin today with a question. Why do people come to Hollywood? Now, before you answer, I don't mean us. Like we go over there to see a movie or eat something. I mean from Kenosha, uh, Indiana, or um, Sleekwater, Louisiana, or Omaha, Nebraska. Why did they come out here and say, i got to go to Hollywood? What's their reason? To become famous. Or more precisely, I want to be a movie star. Now, when they say that, they mean it. They want to become famous, a famous movie star. They they don't say this, I want to become a movie star. I'm going to go to Hollywood. I'll probably end up a waiter for the rest of my life. No, they believe in themselves. And that's why they pack up their bags, go all the way across the country to crazy Hollywood, because they intend to become famous. There's a, an anonymous saying, which I want to read because it's short, but uh, I want to get it right. This anonymous person said this, I didn't come this far only to come this far. I didn't come to Hollywood just to come to Hollywood. I came to be a star. I uh, ran across an interesting little thing. Did anybody here from, uh, from Honduras? I'll have some at the next Mass or two. There's a place in Honduras called Yoro Yoro. It's a town. And uh, Yoro Yoro is famous for at least one thing. Every year, once a year, sometimes twice, it rains fish. It actually rains fish from the skies all over the land. And the reason is, apparently, many years ago, they had a, a volcanic eruption in the ocean not unlike, uh, I suppose, this one in Tonga. And it swept up all these waters in, in a funnel, and then it rained, and the fish ended up all over the ground. And so uh, every year it happens uh, once, sometimes twice. They call it Uvia de pesas. And this Yuvia de passes, they have these water spouts that come during these crazy, crazy storms, stirs up the water into a funnel, and it sweeps up all these fish, and then they're poured out all over the land. So Yoro Yoro is famous for at least one thing. It rains fish once a year. I wonder to myself, because today it's, it's, it's blatant at this Mass, we have two babies that are going to be welcomed into our faith. Is it just baptism? Pour the water, it's cute. They're dressed beautifully, even got little white shoes on, little white socks probably, I suppose. They're just dressed to the tens. But I say, is that all it is, baptism? We get baptized, and then if we're really super faithful, we come to Mass every Sunday and try to go to communion. Why? Well, that's what we do. We're Catholic. Some people say it's an obligation. Some say, well, I don't know why, but we're supposed to do that. Did we only come this far only to come this far? Or is there something more? If we listen to the Scriptures today, there's a lot more. Let's start with Israel. Israel was a mess, always turning away from God in sin. They only turned to God when they needed something. In fact, all this week, we've been reading from Samuel at the Daily Masses. And in Samuel the story goes that, uh, that Israel had gotten far away from God again. And so the Philistines came to have a battle with them, and they killed 4,000 men in one day. So the Israelites fell apart. They were crazy with, with fear and everything. So they ran off, but then they regrouped, and they said, you know what? If we get the Ark of the Lord and take it into battle with us, we'll beat the Philistines. And so they had this roar, this scream, and the Philistines kind of got scared of them. But when they came... The Philistines killed 10,000 men, according to the Scriptures. Well, I say, Israel, too little, too late. It would be like this. If you had some fights with your neighbors and and they threw a rock at you and they scarred you or whatever, so you came to Mass, and when you came for communion, you didn't eat the host. Please don't do this. But you put the host in your pocket and said, I'm going to have the host with me, and then when I go to fight with my neighbors, I've got Jesus on my side right here. And then they beat you up again, you drop the host, and they take it. You know, grabbing a host or a whole bunch of hosts or the ark of the Lord isn't what makes us uh, victorious in battle. And why would we blame God for letting us down? He, we even took him with us in the ark and, the, and he let us be defeated. Hmm. I say too little too late. And when you turn away from God and you get very distant from God, you only come back when you need him. But eventually, Israel was beginning to get the promise, the promise that it was going to be restored completely, totally renewed. Listen to this reading again, beautifully, beautifully proclaimed already, but I just want to emphasize it. So Isaiah speaking for God, Isaiah the prophet says, for Zion's sake I will not be silent, for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her vindication shines forth like the dawn, her victory like a burning torch. And then this is how the prophet describes what Israel will become. Nations shall behold your vindication. All the kings will behold your glory. You shall be called by a new name pronounced by the mouth of the Lord. You shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight, my espoused. Oh my God. Israel understands herself to be called into this special relationship with God. And they knew who they were. In the second reading, the letter of Paul to the Corinthians, first letter, this is what he says to the Christians this is what you've become. And so, Dominic and Caleb, this is what you are to become. Listen to this. Brothers and sisters, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each individual, each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. To one is given through the Spirit of expression of wisdom. To another, the expression of knowledge, according to the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another mighty deeds, another prophecy, another discernment of spirits, to another varieties of tongues and interpretations of tongues. In other words, you are so blessed. Do you understand? You're so blessed. We didn't come this far just to come this far. We came this far to get more. I'm 71 years, for God's sake. I'm much better than I was at 61. 61. Far better than 51. And I hope it's true for all of us, and I hope we can do it on a weekly basis. We come the next week and we say, I come to get some more juice. I come to get it. And I know my God is going to give me more. I know I will be filled up with His Spirit. If we're not thinking like that, we've come to Hollywood just to be a waiter for the rest of our lives. But I don't buy it. I don't buy it. If we open our spirit and seek, we will find. And so, we come to the gospel. First of all, there's something very beautiful going on in this gospel. Does anyone know the first three words of the gospel of John? In the beginning. What other book in the Bible starts with those same three words in the beginning? The first book, chapter of Genesis. They both start that way. And they're both talking about something creative going on, the creation of the world, in this case, the creation of man and woman in the second chapter, and the combining or binding of man and woman together in marriage to produce this life, to be co-creators with God. In the second chapter of John, it's also about marriage, but a wedding feast. Because for the Easternites, even today, the Eastern peoples, they, they, uh, they believe deeply that marriage is, is one of the most momentous moments of the lives of two people, where they come together, bind themselves to become co-creators with God as they bring new life into the world. It's the fulfillment of the covenant of God in the Scriptures. So, here we are at a wedding feast. So important. And uh, it says that Mary was invited and then mentions that Jesus and his disciples were also there. And so Mary notices something, very observant. She sees that the wine is almost all gone. Now, this is a wedding feast. You don't run out of wine at a wedding feast in the Middle East. That that would be the, the, the worst wedding feast ever. So Mary nudges up to her son and says, they're almost out of wine. Now, in the introduction of the Mass, which which I wrote a few years ago, I said, an interesting conversation takes place between Jesus and Mary, but I correct it now and say, a strange conversation takes place, because Mary says, very simply, they're almost out of wine, and he says, woman, how does your concern concern me? My hour has not yet come. What a response. You see it in the movies all the time, people say, hey, lady, It's like what Jesus says, woman, how does this concern me? My hour is not yet come. This is very theological. Jesus is referring to this hour. In the Gospel of John, the hour is the hour of, not 60 minutes, but the hour of his death and resurrection. That's the hour for which he came. So he states that, but Mary sees further than just that response. And then she says this, turns to the waves and says, Do whatever he tells you. So he tells them, go get those water jars that we wash the feet of people when they come here. Get six of them. And it comments that they held 20 to 30 gallons. Fill them to the brim, he says, to the brim. And so they did. And then miraculously, uh, the water becomes wine. And he says, now take some out and take it to the head waiter, which one of the servants does. Now, the servant saw what had happened, but the head waiter didn't. So when he tasted, it, he says, yum, yum. But he says, how odd. He goes to the bridegroom and says, you know, most people, if they have a wedding, they serve their best wine first, so everyone's impressed, and then when they're half looped, they start giving them the junk. But you did the opposite. You gave them the inferior and now the best. So Jesus takes this moment in time, And he takes what's about to be a failure, the biggest failure on the most momentous day of the lives of this couple and all their families. And he takes ordinary water and creates the best wine, and not just the best wine, a super abundance. Six big jars, 30 gallons full. He's going to get these people seriously drunk. But what a wedding feast this will be. What a wedding feast this will be. So we apply this to ourselves, and it's very clear what this scripture is saying. We're at that wedding feast, and Jesus wants to give us a superabundance of love on this great moment. That's why we come here to this feast. He says, come on, come on, let me feed you. By the way, I'm going to be your food. Eat me, eat my body, drink my blood, eat this bread of life. Because if you eat this bread of life, you let me into you, you will have life like nothing else. In fact, even if you die, and when you die, you'll have eternal life. Eat my body. Eat this bread of life. So you what know, can I ask you? Because it's such an important question in our journey of faith. If we come this far only to come this far, well, you get what you ask for. But if you come here every single Sunday expecting that you will be blessed, graced, filled with God's Spirit, and the more that you seek, the more that you get. The more that you open, the more you discover and find. If you read the scriptures even before you get here and hear and proclaimed, you'll be even more blessed because you'll be familiar. If you were to read the Scriptures and go to USCCB or go to a commentary and say, Commentary on the second Sunday of Ordinary Time in the Catholic Church, you get all kinds of things that you could read that can flesh out the Scriptures for you. And why would you do it? To be fed by the Word of God. So if you come on this Sunday and you hear how special Israel was, and, oh my God, the Corinthians, what a great message, and look at the people at this feast, then I say, what about you, And what about me? What are we going to get? That's the question. And that's the answer that we must answer because only if we seek do we really find. We don't come to Hollywood to be waiters the rest of our life. We come to Hollywood to become a star.